0: Alrighty, um, hi everyone. Uh, just before this uh, podcast begins, I want to say, um, that today marks the one year anniversary that I've been doing this. I just want to say that I'm thankful for every single one that has joined, and I hope that we, as a you know, small community, can grow into a much more bigger. So, yeah, if you would. It would be a honor if y'all could share this with friends or family or something. You know, cover like that. Maybe, maybe, maybe exit. And make a post about it on social media or something. <laughs> nah, you gotta do that last part. But the first part, yeah, that'd be kind of nice. But yeah, uh, other than that, because I don't want to make this thing too long. Thank you so much for sticking around for a year, and thank you, and thank you to the very first person, who. Watched to my podcast thank you very much and i hope you have a good day so goodbye on december 2nd 1919 within hours of completing a million dollar business transaction in toronto entertainment tycoon Ambrose small mysteriously disappeared despite an international search no him was ever found police suspected foul play and investigated small's wife and personal secretary however neither the police nor a private investigator uncovered any evidence connecting them to Small's disappearance. The small case remains one of Canada's most perplexing and legendary unsolved cases. Amber Joseph Small was born in 1866 in Bradford, Canada West, to Daniel and Ellen Small. By 1880, Small's family moved to Toronto where Daniel became the manager of the Grand Hotel. Next door to the hotel was the Grand Opera House, a prestigious establishment that presented the best shows coming out of New York. About 1884, young Small began working at the Opera House as an usher and bartender. He was also involved in an illegal bookmaking operation taking bets on horses, arson and gambling. In 1889, after a call with Grand Opera House manager, Oliver B. Separate, Small went to work for the Toronto Opera House, a venue for Valadville and a popular melodrama on the torn circuits controlled from New York to Montreal. While Small learned the inquiries of the business and was eventually promoted to manager, his mother died. His father married Josephine Cohen, daughter of a wealthy bartender. Ignorance calm. Small was an ambiguous and skewed businessman. Within a few years, he had accumulated enough capital to buy the markets of the Grand Opera House. He eventually fired separate. Small fought his way to the forefront of Ontario's highly competitive, the, the, highly competitive Theatrical business. He understood public taste in entertainment and readily adapted to change. He went into partnership with Detroit theater mongol Clark J. Whitney, who controlled a major circuit in Ontario. When Whitney died in 1902, Small bought up theaters in. Peterborough, Hamilton, St. Thomas, Kingston, and other communities across Ontario. He leased it others. They all depended on him for booking so because he had taken control from the New York syndicates. Small ran an empire of 34 theaters. Half of which were outside of Ontario. Stars of the stage who wanted to perform in those theaters had to deal with Small. In 1902, Small married Theresa Common, his stepmother's younger sister. The combined financial assets made the couple very rich, but aside from their mutual desire to accumulate more wealth, they had little in common. Theresa was a devoted Roman Catholic with a great interest in the arts and doing charitable acts. Small was a gambler and a womanizer. Theresa took shopping holidays in Europe and small vacations at racetracks in the United States. He made a secret chamber built in the Grand Opera House for his tourist of chorus girls, of which his wife was aware. Theresa even found a bundle of love letters Smaller's mistress had written to him. The Smallers lived in a, a put mansion in Toronto's affluent Rosedale district, where they slept in separate beds. They had no children. Small gained a reputation for being a rootless and unsuperb. He allegedly enjoyed finding means to cheat associates. He planted business track contracts with with causes he called jokers that worked to his financial advantage. Small was also suspected of using his influence to fix horse races. His his quartersome nature in his underhand methods made him widely hated. Tuano journalist Hector Charlesworth knew small personally. Commented in his book, More Canid Chronicles 1982. If I heard once, I heard a score of times of ominous works. Somebody would get and be someday. By 1919, live data was in a decline due to the growing popularity of motion pictures. Small decided to get out of the business. He struck a deal to sell his chain of theaters to Trans Canada Theaters Limited of Montreal for 1.7 million. One million dollars was payable upon signing of the document. Of of sale and the rest would be paid by installments on December 2nd, 1919, Small Theresa, and Attorney E. M. W. Flock met Trans Canada Dealer's representative W.J. Selonsky in the legal office of Alan Owlsworth, located at 59 Younger Street in Toronto. The document was signed and Silagzi gave Samar a certified check for one million dollars. Samar passed the check to Theresa and Tota to take it to their bank. Theresa made the deposit at the Dominating Bank at the corner of Young and King Street at 11.45 a.m. Weeks passed before news of the sale was reported in the press. Ambrose, Teresa, and Flock met for lunch at King Edward Hotel. Afterwards, yeah. Ambrose and Teresa went to the St. Vin- Vincent de Paul Orphan's where Theresa made a donation. Teresa later stated that when they parted company, Small said he'd be home by six o'clock that afternoon. DeRisa told her sister that she and Small planned to touch up the world. After ordering a Cadillac jewelry and a fur coat for DeRisa, Small met Flock at his theater office to clear up some business matters. He invited Flock to join him in DeRisa for dinner, but Flock had to catch a train to London. Flock left Small's office at 5.30pm. He was the last person known for certain to have seen Small. After that, Ambrose Small vanished. Two weeks passed before the Toronto police became aware that Small was missing. Theresa claimed she, she hadn't reported out of fear of a scandal. I believe my Ambi is in the hands of designing w- women. Somewhere, and we'll come back, she said. Nonetheless, she offered a five hundred reward for information on his whereabouts and had circular disturbance across Canada in the U- U- United States. Small hadn't packed any suitcases oh and wasn't carrying much cash. Police found no evidence of him paying for transportation or accommodation by by that newspapers reported signs of him in various cities including Boston and Minneapolis. but those reports proved to be groundless as with the story that he'd been kidnapped by New York gangsters. When the research inc- increased the reward for information to50,000, dollars the small story became a, it became a international sensation. Reports of alleged sightings came from as far as Mexico. Self, self, professed clairvoyant Arthur service, aka Bill, aka, aka Spiritualism, in New York City. Reporters asked the visitor Sir Arthur Cameron Doyle, creator of Sherlock Holmes, if he was going to help the Canadian police find Small. Rumors circulated that Small was in hiding, that he was wandering around somewhere with amnesia, but the speculation that had the greatest possibility of being true was that he'd been murdered and a body disposed of. The first principal suspect was Jason Daughtry, sorry, James Daughtry, Small's personal secretary. Daughtry had what for Small for years and often complained about his tiny salary. Daughtry soon disappeared after Smarted, uh, along with $100,000 in bonds from Small's safety deposit in the D- Dominion Bank. Police led the informants that Daughtry had spoken of plots to kidnap or murder Small. Daughtry was eventually arrested in Organ. He confessed to selling the bonds and was sentenced to a term in prison. But police, but because, but because police had no proof that Small was dead, they could have charged Daughtry with murder. Small's sister, Gwetched, g- in, in uh, Florence, believed, believed that Theresa had conspired to have him murdered. After her investigations, found no evidence connected her to any wrongdoing, the sisters accused accused the Toronto police of involvement in a Thapist plot. The police subsequently dug up dug up the basements of the small mansion in the Grand Opera House in a ravine in Wansgar, but found nothing. The sisters hired a private a private detective who also failed to find any trace of small but who carried out a Steiner campaign against Theresa. In 1923, the Supreme Court of Ontario declared Small officially dead and upheld his will, which left most of its state to Theresa. She died in 1935 bequeathing the bulk of the estate to Catholic charities. In 1960, the Toronto Police finally closed the small case. In 1936, the case was re-investigated by Ontario P- P- Providential Police at the behest of the Attorney General, OPP investigator inspector, sorry, Edward L. Hammond, consulted with the original investigators of, from from the Toronto Police, obtained. Typed copies of the reports and various other service do- documents, and we interviewed some witnesses. Hamid's conclusion that Small was murdered in a plot of which his wife was the prime mover. It is in marked contrast to the Ontario's government government's public position that Mrs. Small enhanced also her lord's. M- Monetary bequest to the Catholic Church was beyond reproach. Hamid also strongly improvised that the original team investigator, Austin Mitchell of the Toronto Police, ignored all we pressed evidence which would lead Mrs. Small as a subject. Speculation over Small's fate has continued, and the case has been the subject of magazine articles, books, paintings, and a Radio play. In 20 Montreal murders, 1978, Canadian author Orr Miller made a case for Small's body being incinerated in the furnace of the Grand Theatre in London, Ontario. A recent study by Canadian crime historian Peter Valensky offers a theory that Theresa was involved in Small's murder, and the police officer in charge of the investigation stated the cover up. The most notable fictional treatment is in Canadian author Michel Ocheteti's 1987 novel, In the Skin of a Lion. The small case remains an iconic Canadian mystery.